show about stock market investing. Um, and what we do here is we incorporate fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and algorithmic execution. So that's how we run money here. All the information I share with you is directly off the trading desk. This is a live trading desk. I'm surrounded by computers. The phone might ring. Bear with me. Um, Okay, this is the week in review. We have a lot to get to, so let me just try to uh, give you some structure to how this conversation is going to go. We're going to start with our algorithmic update, which we do every Friday. These are algorithms designed for the volatility of the top five indexes we use to drive all of our risk management decisions. That's the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Dow, small cap index, the momentum index, and the IBD 50. Is that six? <laughs> um, so what we're doing is we're, uh, um, we're using these five or six indexes to drive all of our thought processes when it comes to when to add risk and when to take it off. It's been a long week. I'm having a hard time counting. Six. That's six. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go over those, in, uh, uh, those algorithms. Um, then what we're going to do is we're going to get into the topics of the week that we've been talking about. Cannabis, top of the list. I'm going to go over some thoughts there. We're going to talk about energy stocks. We're going to talk about banking stocks and how that affects small cap indexes. Okay. And then I'm going to get to questions um, from subscribers. A couple of you guys have been emailing me. And I'm going to answer some of your questions. But of course, and, and maybe I shouldn't forget this, part of the, um, today's discussion will be a little bit of um, um, cheerleading, if you will, over the Twitter call, right? So um, you got to enjoy it when you get it right. And I, I put you guys on the meet on Wednesday, and I said, this call's coming up. We're thinking it's going to be good. Here's a perfect cup and handle. And now, boom, the call was great, and the stock's gone through the roof. It's through the roof. It's up 10, it's up 10% today. Not a through the roofer, but it's a nice move for the stock. All right, so we're going to get to all that today. Let's start with the algorithms. So we have our top six algorithms. Um, I have on our website, RosenthalCapital.com, our risk monitor for you set up to help you understand how we use these indexes to manage our capital. So those of you who already know, thank you for watching. Forgive me. I'm just going to um, bring anybody new into the fold here. On June 4th, we had risk on across the board in all six of our indexes. And we use the exchange traded funds of these six indexes, SPY, QQQ, the Dow, DIA, small cap index, IWM, Momentum Index, MPUM, and the IBD50, which is FFTY, okay? So when all six go positive, and I told you guys this on June 4th, I said when all six algorithms tell us risk on at the same time, historically speaking, that gives us a 90% probability that the market will go up from that point. I don't know how much it'll go up. All I know is it's 90% probable going back 15 years that the market will go higher from that point. Sometimes it only goes higher for a week or two. Sometimes it's just two to three or 4%. Then it rolls over and implodes. That's okay. 
We have stop losses. We have targets as we go higher. We book profits when it goes higher. We raise stops. Sometimes we make a lot of money like we are right now. Sometimes we get stopped out a week or two later, and that's okay too. This is, this is about statistics and probability. It's about identifying aces in the hole. When we have it, we put capital to work. And then we protect capital and let the process work out. So right now we're in the sweet spot of a great risk-on opportunity. We booked some profits at the end of June, just a little. If you look at our index, um, or I should say our, uh, our portfolio, go to our homepage, Rosenthal Capital, scroll down, you're going to see our four model portfolios at Interactive Brokers. All of our clients that we talk to and we work with, they choose which one of these four they want to participate in, and we link their account to these, uh, one of these four offerings, right? And so I launched a new offering at the beginning of June, serendipitously, where all we do with that index or that model portfolio, all we do is we own the S&P, the NASDAQ 100, and the small cap index. We use the algorithms to go risk on when necessary and then follow the algorithms to take risk off. There'll be times throughout the year where that portfolio is 100% cash. And then there are times during the year where we're 200% long market volatility. We use the exchange-traded funds that have twice the performance of the underlying asset. So that's SSO for the S&P, QLD for the triple Qs, and UWM for the small cap index. So on June 4th, we were 50% long SSO, which means 100% exposure to the S&P. Talk to me. Yeah, talk to me. John, no, forget it. Good luck. All right. Um, so 50% long SSO means we are 100% long S&P volatility. Then we were 25% long QLD, which means we capture 50% of the triple Q volatility. And then we had 25% long UWM, which is another 50%. So that's 200% exposure. And then when we hit our targets on June 27th, we bring that down a bit, and now we have a 130% exposure to market volatility. So here we are at the end of July. We had a big month of June in that portfolio and we continue to perform in the month of July. And we are obviously outperforming the indexes because we have more than 100% exposure to the indexes. Okay? And now what we do, if you look at our other portfolios, conservative, balanced, and aggressive, we have exposure to the indexes in all of those accounts. But then we supplement that with other investment ideas, whether it be passive income dividend-type strategies and the conservative approach, to the more aggressive, you know, cannabis ideas or Twitter ideas and the aggressive approach and balanced is somewhere in between. 
So as of today, we can review uh, uh, algorithms on the big uh, six indexes we follow. They're still all green lighted. Okay. So, you know, it's still risk on risk is elevated. We raise stops every day. The algorithm does that for us. We use top day and multi-day volatility to figure out what our targets should be and where our stops should be. This is not a static system. It's dynamic. All right, moving on. So there's the backdrop. The indexes look good. That means risk still on. That means we expect markets to go higher. Okay, let's go over to... Um, if you're following the Twitter feed, and I strongly suggest you do because I've been putting up chart patterns for you so you can see what it is we're thinking on the trading desk and how we're positioning things. I showed you a chart earlier this week, and on Twitter you can find us at hashtag armor report, A-R-M-R report. And I showed you a chart of KBE, which is the ETF of the bank stocks. Now you can also... Look at KRE, which is the ETF of the regional banks. But I like KBE better. I like the spread there better. But the charts, they pretty much, they, they, they move in lockstep together. Okay. We saw a major breakout of the downtrend that the banks have been in for a long time this week. And we're on that index now. We own that in portfolios. So what does that mean? Why, why is that happening? It's human nature to want to connect the fundamental with the technical algorithm. So when we see something occurring, we, start, we ask the question, why? The danger in asking the question why is that you start coming up with reasons and then you think you have to be right and your ego gets in the way when you're wrong. So um, everything I'm going to tell you now is just a guess. I don't know what the real reason is. I'm just guessing. I think it would be a lot more helpful if everybody on CNBC and all these other financial networks was honest with you and said, I don't know what's going to happen. This is a guess. I'm going to use algorithms to protect my capital and book profits and, 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 and position assets on weakness and sell them in strength. But for the sake of this conversation, because everyone likes to discuss why, I'm going to tell you what I think may be happening. This is just investing 101, basics. If the central banks are lowering interest rates, it's generally considered negative for banks. Banks make a spread on a steepening yield curve. On an inverted yield curve, they struggle from an earnings standpoint. It's just basics, okay? So why are the banks breaking out? It's possible that what we're going to see next week is a Fed meeting where the Fed lowers rates, which everyone already expects, but they begin to get more neutral slash, which will be looked at as hawkish, as opposed to all the dovish talk that they've been spewing since the market collapse in December, in October, November, December last year. So the market imploded. So they came out and said, oh, we're going to cut rates. We're going to add liquidity. Woo. And the whole market skyrocketed. Okay. But now we're getting some economic numbers that show growth is okay. What have you. 
Everybody expects 25% basis point cut. And so if they go make that cut and they say on the call, now we're comfortable where we are and we're going to be, you know, we're going to look at uh, economic numbers We're we're not preconceived to cut rates anymore. So like the market has been thinking the Fed's going to cut rates another, like maybe 50 basis points this year. I saw some guys talking about they're going to cut rates three times this year. So if they just cut now once and they say we're on hold now and we're going to watch what's going on, that's more bullish for banking stocks. It's more bearish for utility stocks, dividend payers, guys who do well when they're lowering rates. Okay, this is just basic you know, investing 101. It, there's a lot of other moving parts that come into play, but I'm trying to boil it down for you. Why are the banks breaking out? If the message next week from the Fed is in any way more hawkish, the banks will do better than the rest of the market. And when I say hawkish, I don't mean like stop the bull market hawkish. I just mean like um, not falling all over themselves to cut rates all year. Now, how does that affect small cap? put out a tweet this week that there's a follow-on buy signal in small caps, a follow-on risk-on opportunity in small caps. Small caps as an index have been wildly underperforming the rest of the market. Typically, before the market peaks, there will be a run in small caps where they outperform the big, the big cap names. That can really only happen if the banking stocks go up because the small cap index, IWM, um, has a 25% allocation to small cap banks and financials. That's the biggest allocation to IWM, small cap index, are financials. So if financials break out in here and run, chances are we're going to see a reacceleration in IWM and it will begin to lead for a few weeks or a month or so. And so it behooves us to focus on that index right now. Okay, let's keep moving. Lots to talk about. Oil stocks. I talked about that last uh, week. Um, I can't say I love the oil stock action this week. Um, but at the same time, what, what's, what's my focus? I'm focused on the pipelines. I'm picking up a 8.5% yield there. I'm focused on Schlumberger and, and Exxon, some of the big names. You can look at Chevron. These guys are paying dividends in excess of 5%. So if these assets just go sideways and I collect that income, it's a win for me. It's just a way for me to increase the yield of my portfolio. If it ever happens that we get a trade deal, and we get economic resurgence of growth, uh, if it ever happens that um, uh, tensions escalate in a much more aggressive way in, in, in Iran and the Straits of Hormuz, th this space is going to go berserk to the upside, and I'll make money from a principal increase while I collect my dividend. So as long as these stocks don't implode, um, the idea here is to collect my yield. So, so far, so good. They haven't hit my stops. Um, let's move on. Nothing else to really say there. Um, okay. 
Let's get to um, the cannabis plays. Cannabis stocks. Again, this week I highlighted um, the – okay, there's a couple things I highlighted this week that, that is important to note. From an investing standpoint, we have been, um, for all intents and purposes, out of these stocks for a while now. If you look at our model portfolios, our conservative accounts have zero exposure to cannabis. Okay, Our aggressive account fluctuates between 5 and 10%, and our balanced account has about 25 to 5%. It, it's minimal. I've already gone over with you guys. I think it was on Monday or, or, or was it fr- or was it Wednesday? My whole cannabis discussion. So I'm not going to go over that again. I suggest you guys watch that video if you want to see what my thoughts are there. But to wrap up this week, um, it looks like CanTrust just fired their CEO. That's been a big hang and a problem for this space. It continues to be a space. When a big uh, licensed producer um, lies to the um, uh, uh, Canada Health. Um, it casts a bit of a pall over the whole space, and we need this dust to settle, and it won't settle in a week. It's nice to see the CEO fire, but that doesn't change my opinion. I did highlight the chart of Kronos this week, C-R-O-N. It's the only chart pattern out of all the ones that I follow that looks like the right risk-reward setup. I don't know why it's looking like that. Um, truth be told, you know, what? it's $14.80 right now. You know, if it goes below $14.50, I probably have no interest in the stock again. Um, I generally don't buy a stock if the entire group looks awful, because even if it's like one good-looking chart pattern, everything else is awful, that one chart pattern usually fails. So I am looking at it. I know you guys are interested in the space, so I highlighted here's a chart that looks like the risk-reward's right, but the, the stop has to be tight, and if it doesn't make a move higher, I'm, I wouldn't recommend staying long-term in a space that's not working right now. So it's not a bad idea to try some of your favorite ideas when the setup's right, but always have a very tight stop if the whole group theme is still suffering. Um, this this uh, um, kind of segues us into um, a discussion about um, one of the questions from our subscribers. I posted a tweet about the new legislation, uh, Kamala Harris and Nate Nadler, Nadler um, uh, piece of legislation that will completely decriminalize marijuana. It's the panacea for the U.S. cannabis space. You're asking me, uh, um, our subscriber is asking me, what would it mean in the short term for, for these stocks? And it doesn't mean anything until the, the bill is passed through the House, gets ratified by the Senate, right, and becomes law. If that happens, these stocks go up huge. But truth be told, there are many bills right now that seem to be coming out of every uh, uh, um a talking head uh, in, in, in the house. And so it's a great looking bill. It's a great bill because it would be a trigger event for the canopy acreage deal. It would deschedule marijuana from schedule S one, which is what we're all waiting for. Um, but 
just because the bill has been proposed, um, you know, it's just the very beginning of the process. So it's got to be proposed, then it's got to be passed, then it's got to go to the Senate, and it has to ratify. Sometimes they change stuff, it goes back down to the House, they have to agree, blah, blah, blah. This all takes time. So in the short term, it means nothing. But I keep posting these stories because if you look at them in total, there's a groundswell that suggests we will get legalization sooner rather than later in this space. And when that happens, it's a home run for the stocks. I keep posting these so it helps us remember why we're investing in this space. The opportunity is enormous. We have a short-term sell-off for a host of reasons I discussed on Wednesday. Go watch the video. They're short-term in nature. So we keep doing our research. We high-grade the portfolio. We look for our favorite cannabis names. We love the fact that they're all coming down. And we realize that marijuana legalization is getting closer and closer every week. So when we get the right algorithmic setup, and the fundamentals are there, we got to put money to work each time until we get it right. And when we get it right, we'll hook into a big fish. But the short answer is it means nothing to these stocks today in the short term. Um, before I hop on to Twitter, let me just say that uh, another question from a subscriber, now that we're there talking about subscriber questions, about the oil stocks. Okay, my favorite stocks right now in the space, uh, AMLP, which is the ETF of the pipelines. Um, I like Schlumberger, SLB, better than the 5% yield. I like Exxon, 4.5. Um, Chevron's a bit of a lower yield, but those are all good. You asked me about MPC, which is Marathon. I mean, there's, there's nothing, you know, uh, I don't, okay, number one, I don't like the way the chart is set up, so I'm not a buyer of that stock right now. Um, the yield's not high enough for me. I think it's in threes. So if I'm going to be buying energy yield, I'd rather it closer to five. In fact, if I'm buying any yield right now, I'm looking for 5% or better dividend payouts. So there's nothing inherently wrong, subscriber, with your MPC idea. Um, if energy is turning, that stock will turn with the rest of the space. But there's nothing that makes it compelling to me. Um, at this point. And quite frankly, there's much better names of higher yields. So I'm not going to be playing with that stock. But thanks for asking me that question. I'll give you an example of where I would focus my attention right now for a dividend passive income play. And that has to be AbbVie. Now, AbbVie is a medical stock, right? It's a drug company. The stock's been killed. I put up a chart of it for you on my Twitter feed, hashtag Armor Report. Check it out. Um, it looks like it's come all the way down to long-term support and put in a double bottom. And it got there because they made an acquisition of Allergan that the street didn't like, which is, that's fine. Many times when a company makes an acquisition, the price of the stock goes down initially. But then it sets up a bottom. We start to see synergies. The dividend payout is safe, and the stock starts to go up. This thing's paying 6.3% yield right now. So they announced earnings today. They beat on the top and bottom line, and they raised guidance. Now, truth be told, they beat, which was dramatically reduced expectations of Wall Street. So, okay, take that for what it's worth. But they did beat, and they raised guidance. And they're putting in a double bottom right at a long-term base, and the yield is 6.3%. That's a stock to do some homework on. 
Don't forget, guys, I can't tell you what to put in your portfolio. I don't know you. I say that on every single YouTube video. This is for educational purposes, and I try to give you some thoughts of where you should do your homework. Well, I may have it in my portfolio. I may not. I'm just helping you focus. Where would I put money? Would I put it in MPC at a 3-plus percent yield? There's no catalyst there that makes me want to do that. Would I buy AbbVie? I'm buying massive weakness, better than a 6% yield, but I think dividend safe, that's this place to do some research. And so let's wrap up today with the discussion of Twitter, because God, it's fun to make money when you're right. I've been following this Twitter story for a while. I've been on it for a while. I've been posting for you guys this classic cup and handle chart pattern, complete with an island reversal. The cup itself is an island reversal. It's so rare you get those opportunities. What's an island reversal? It's a gap down, then a trading consolidation, and a gap up from that consolidation. And that gives you the island reversal. Let's take a look at what I'm talking about. You can find it on Twitter, but I'm going to just um, share it with you right now. Oops. All right. All right. Maybe you all can see that. I hope there's Twitter. There's your island reversal. These yellow uh, circles right here show you where the gap are, gaps are. All these guys are trapped, whether they're short guys, um, whether they're longs that sold it and have to get back in, they're trapped. Gap up on last earnings announcement, consolidation, now another gap up on the next earnings announcement. So now we have two quarters in a row of expanding daily average users that are, that are they're able to monetize. That's the key ingredient for understanding um, this stock. Okay, so there's a chart pattern I'm talking about. I've had you guys on this for a while. Now we get the gap up. Now we get the second good earnings announcement in a row where we see sequential monetized daily average users. That's the key, sequential growth in their most important metrics. This stock is set up to go. We're up today. We're having fun. We're making money in this trade. But if this is a real trend for Twitter, then there's a lot of upside in this stock over the next X amount of years if they've really turned the corner. Let's hope they have. All right? Guys, thanks for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you're making money with me today. I hope you're enjoying your Twitter position. I look forward to talking to you next week. Please like this video as always. If you do like it, comment. Let me know what you're thinking. I'll, every, every Friday I get the subscriber questions. So let me know all week what you want to talk about, and I'll try to cover some questions that I can um, on next Friday's uh, Week in Review. I'll see you again Monday, 1130, same time, same station. And um, have a great weekend, guys.